0: Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.
1: Welcome to the thirty-ninth episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Coon. I'm sorry, folks, but I am feeling a little under the weather. I took my COVID test, and it came back negative, which is great. But I'm sorry if my voice and delivery are a little off, but the show must go on, right? Also, my Facebook account was hacked, and I have been locked out of it, and I'm not sure when I'll be able to access it again. So I apologize if you rely on the link I post on Facebook. All the more reason to subscribe, folks. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please help grow the podcast by sharing it on social media, telling your friends about it, and by leaving a rating or comment. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. That way you won't miss out on any news about the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'd like to welcome on a special guest, Greg Coleman. Greg is the general manager for the Erie Seawolves AA affiliate of the Detroit Tigers. Can't wait to chat with Greg right after this break. Greg, welcome on to the Pulling Tar Podcast. How have you been dealing with no minor league baseball at all this season?
0: Well, I tell you what, it's uh, it's been really tough in some ways. You know, the, the folks that come out to the ballpark, the folks that work at the ballpark, um, you know, they're they're like your extended family. Sure, uh, you, you miss you miss birthdays, you miss anniversaries, uh, you miss hearing about their uh, you know their their family vacation. Uh, on the flip side uh, it's also been an opportunity uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I have two kids of my own uh, 13 and 18 and you know with them being on you know remote learning uh, the ability you know during the, uh, the the lockdown to be able to go take a walk with them at you know five in the afternoon uh, that's just not something I would have a chance to do if we were you know running a baseball season during the summer so uh, there's there's definitely some silver linings but you know I certainly missed Having uh, our fans and supporters at UPMC Park cheering on
1: the team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I did want to. You, you alluded to having a family, and I've always thought this that you know that was one of the reasons I got out of baseball um, was that I'm settling down. I'm getting married here in December, and um, but people that have families with with kids and stuff like that. How you know? Obviously, it's a grind. You're at work. A ton of hours how do, how do you make that work with with having a family and children?
0: Well, first off, you have a very supportive spouse <laughs> that, helps, <laughs> that helps a lot um, you know if if, if my if my wife wasn't behind this from, from day one, now keep in mind, I guess I was in baseball before we got married right uh, but, uh, so uh, so yeah, she she sort of knew what she uh, knew what she was signing on for but but no, then you have you have kids and you just you find ways to be there for what's important you know you don't you don't miss the school play you don't miss uh, you know the, the the softball game you you lean on the folks that are on your staff to, to pick you up and then you're there for your staff when uh, they need to be picked up okay so uh, you know the last couple of years as they've got a little bit older uh, it's it's been bringing them out to the ballpark and having them involved out here you know my son is my son has done some bad boy work my uh, my yes. daughter is has picked up trash after a game if she needed to. Nice. <laughs> just so, so dad could get home 10 minutes earlier, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it's it's nice having them uh, be old enough and, and be able to, you know, be like every other family after a Sunday game, go out and play catch on the field.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the places that I've worked, um, you know, Del Delmarva was, was less this way, but it was just like, you know, God forbid, I I got sick like like I did this week, um, or I couldn't come in or something like that. Like you would you would have thought the whole place would have went to hell in a handbasket. So it's amazing that you have a staff that you can lean on um, when when you have to make those sacrifices and, and go to the school play or the softball game or something like that. Um,
0: well, we've got a good team of people here, and they they work hard. Um, they um, – yeah, it's, it's – I mentioned it's like a family. And yeah, I, there was something that happened a couple of years ago, um, a, a, a good thing. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I enjoy music, and uh, my assistant GM uh, heard that Billy Joel was coming down to Pittsburgh. And uh, he, without me even uh, knowing this, uh, arranged for me to get tickets to go down and see him play at PNC Park. And went to our owner and said, "Hey, are you okay if Greg has the night off?" <laughs> uh, and uh, and it was and it was like a fireworks night too. It wasn't like a small night. Oh wow! But but uh, but uh, uh, he he knew I would enjoy it, and uh, uh, just he set the whole thing up, and you know, and, and you know, he got he got married uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and you know, anything I could do for him, I do for him. So uh, you yeah, it's, it's just it's about being there for each other, and uh, you know, I've been very fortunate throughout my career to have folks that have worked alongside of me also become lifelong friends
1: yeah that that is fantastic and um, i've made some lifelong friends of mine as well you know a few of them are going to be groomsmen in my wedding here um so yeah and i keep in contact with them you know every day almost through through text messaging and and everything like that so it is fantastic you're right it is it is like a family for sure So, um, is Erie the team that you've pulled TARP for the most during your time in MILB per season? You've spent time with Bowling Green, Trenton, Modesto, Daytona, and the Orlando Rays.
0: Well, I can tell you this. It wasn't Modesto.
1: Okay, yeah, for sure. We we got
0: got rid of the TARP come July 1st. We didn't need it for the rest of the year. There you go. Uh, uh, no, I would say. I mean, collectively, there's no question. I've been in Erie now for 10 years, and certainly, uh, this is definitely the place where I've uh, pulled the most part. But in a given year, it had to be Orlando, Florida. Uh, that you know, that place there. We you know, we'd have rain almost every single day. I remember okay. we had a four game series uh, one time, and the teams never got on the field. We oh. we, we we touched the tarp. I think probably an average of probably about five times a day, uh, and, and neither team got a chance to hit or play. Uh, yeah. So I don't remember who the opponent was, but they literally came to Orlando to stay in a hotel and then go back. I yep. hope they at least got the chance to go to Disney.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I remember one time the team in Beloit they they went to Burlington just like that. They went for a three day series I think, and they just, they didn't play. One game. They just stayed at the hotel. They drove there and they drove back. That was it. So, um, what makes Erie the place that you wanted to settle down after all those stops that you've made?
0: Well, you know, it's it's a great little place. It's it It's a good place to raise a family. Uh, you know, I think, uh, the, I guess, the running joke in Erie is that you can get anywhere in 15 minutes. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, that, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but. Uh, but I, I, I think it's really a, a great quality of life here. I mean, gee, uh, sugar, obviously, uh, we're heading into the time of year where you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And you got to like snow if, uh, if you're going to spend some time in, uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, or any of the areas right. uh, by the Great Lakes. But, uh, but the summers are as good as they are anywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you
0: know, I've, I've worked in different places. And you know, in, in Modesto, the, the seats were too hot to sit in during the summer sometimes. Uh, Bowling Green and I I, I I love these places as well. But but you know, being Bowling Green, you know, there's a month of the year where it's just too humid and the, the flies took away your enjoyment of watching the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I like to tell people in baseball that everybody's got their month, right? And it, it, it depends on where you are. Some places, you know, it may be the last month of the year, some places it's the first month of the year. Uh, but everybody's got their month where it's just not the greatest place to be, uh, to watch baseball. Uh but uh, yeah, Erie for me. If if, if you're going to pick a place, well, you know, you know, you know, we make our money July through Labor Day. Sure. Sorry, June, June Labor Day, and uh, June through Labor Day, it's as good here as it is any place. Uh So, so I think it's a, a good quality of life. Uh, to, for, for you know running a ball team. Uh, I think that it is uh, a good fit for me personally. Uh, I when I got into this business, I really thought, boy, I might want to, I might want to be the GM of a major league team to do something. Lines, and then I fell in love with the ability to make an impact Right. and Erie is the type of place where I can make an impact I can help little league teams I can I can help schools I can volunteer, I can serve on boards and you know our efforts here with the team are, they're noticed and they're appreciated and they make a difference and I think if we were to do similar things in, in other communities uh, I, I'm, I'm just not sure it would have the same impact so, uh, so I think all those things combined for me, the quality of life, uh, the good place to raise a family, the professional challenges, um, you know, and the ability to make a difference are really all play into that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the many reasons why people work in minor league baseball is to make an impact on those small communities. Um I was talking to my dad on the phone today and I didn't I didn't really put the timeline together here and I asked him I said did you ever go to a SeaWolves game when you lived in Erie and he and he said I don't think they were there well, it, because this was the early 90s and I know that now I know that the SeaWolves didn't get there until 95 and he asked me where the stadium was and um I told him and he sa- he said There was definitely was not a stadium there. (laughs) Um, He said he said that it was um, some some housing projects there. Um, But he he said he said people have people have told me like the downtown area now is really nice. And um, there's there's a ton of stuff to do. I remember when I was a kid going to Waldemere um, Amusement Park. Um, But yeah, the summers in Erie are, are awesome.
0: No, there's so much to do. I mean, honestly, if you're running a baseball team, there might be too much to do. Right. <laughs> it's because it's competition. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I go back to raising a family. You know, we've got an you know, OHL hockey team here. We've got a G League basketball team here. We've got a, a zoo. Communities of our size don't have zoos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good one. And uh, we've got a children's museum. We've, we're 10 blocks. Uh, the team is uh, 10 blocks from Lake Erie where you can get out there and you can fish or you can – uh, and by the way, you know, whether that's whether that's you know, during the summer or ice fish during the winter. Yep. Um, you know, there's just you know there's so much to do. We've got this beautiful state park up here Presque Isle State Park, and uh, you know it's it's just this wonderful place to to jog, bike, fish, boat, uh, and you know, like I, I've I've lived in a number of different places. This is free. This this park is free. You mm-hmm. literally go in there and uh, and you know I. I've been down to the Jersey Shore. I'm from New Jersey. I love the Jersey Shore, okay. but I, but I don't but I don't get on the beach without paying for something. Uh, and uh, and he, uh, here in Erie, I, I get that experience, and I and I get it for free. Yep. Uh, and uh, so so in some ways, you know, we are uh, I'd say spoiled, but we just we enjoy a lot of great things, uh, and uh, we're very fortunate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been to Presque Isle National Park. Um, I've been to a lot of those places that that you listed. Um, when I was when I was a kid, yeah, my my parents had friends that still lived there, so we we went and visited. I'm from Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and I went to school at Slippery Rock, so I'm pretty familiar with with Erie. Um, I was born at St. Vincent Hospital. Hopefully, they're a sponsor.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I got this UPMC yeah, behind us. I see that. <laughs> Yeah, that's unfortunately that's their competition. But uh, but uh, you they honestly uh, both of those uh, organizations have been supportive of the team throughout the years. You know, Saint Vincent was a, uh, a significant partner of ours for, for about two decades. UPMC has been a significant partner of ours for 25 years. Okay, uh, and so uh, but when you put your name on a stadium, you you do enjoy certain rights. Uh, Share and, uh, and so. Uh, we are uh, very fortunate to have great community support, uh, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I've got friends uh, that work both of those places, and, and we're very fortunate to have great healthcare in here.
1: <laughs> um, can you explain what it was like to assist in starting the Bowling Green Hot Rods from scratch back in two
0: thousand eight? I tell you, the Bowling Green Hot Rods. Uh, was was one of the most fulfilling experiences you know i got there after the team name had been selected it hadn't been announced yet but after the team name had been selected and to have the opportunity to build a brand build an experience from scratch it's just not a chance or it's not something that everybody gets a chance to do sure and i mean the excitement of driving you know or I used to bike a little bit as well. You kind of bike down the ballpark and see, what did they do on the construction today? And, you know, it basically was a hole in the ground when I got there. And uh, and by the time I left, it was this fully integrated, uh, you know, entertainment experience that was a part of the fabric of the community. And so it was just very fulfilling to see it all, uh, maybe not from day one, but from like day three. Sure. <laughs> Up on, yeah. <laughs> And, um, you know, to be able to, um, to, you know, to shape what's the in-game experience like, to be able to, uh, you know, create the promotional schedule. I also doubled as the on-field MC,
1: oh, okay. so I was
0: very involved in the, the game day presentation. So um, I was very proud of the work we did there. We had a, a phenomenal team of people. Uh, a number of those folks are still in the industry, uh, in you know, El Paso, Texas, or uh, Frisco, Texas, uh uh, yeah, and, and, you know and other places not in Texas, <laughs> but uh, but uh, just a lot of talent and a lot of folks who just just knew that the job had to get done and the ballpark was going to open and it didn't matter what you had to do, you had to be ready for when it opened. And uh, we just you know, we just we just put our heads down and worked as hard as we could, and uh, you know, the end result I thought was a was a pretty great. Ran to a very family-friendly
1: experience. People in Beloit are going to learn that very soon. I hope so. Um, looking forward to getting back out there and visiting that new stadium. I want to talk about how you ran around the bases 500 times in one day when you were in Trenton to help raise money and awareness for Autism New Jersey. That sounds extremely difficult. How uh, how hard was that? That. And and put it put it into miles or kilometers or whatever I guess.
0: So, five hundred times around the bases is a little over thirty-four miles.
1: Oh my gosh! So
0: so it's uh, Well, look. Let's put it this way: I'm happy that I was younger when I did that. Sure, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure my back or my knees can pull that thing off today. Um, but uh, you know, it was. Uh, it was a very interesting time, so I'm from the Trenton area, and okay. uh, for for me going to work for the Thunder was returning home, and it couldn't come at a better time. Um, my, my son, uh, who was three at the time, uh, shortly after we had moved back to take the job at the Trent, uh, Trenton Thunder, uh, we, we learned that uh, he was uh, he had autism, okay. uh, and, and uh, he was labeled on the autism spectrum, and, and we had to start with early intervention, and it was just all was all very not i don't say confusing but as as a dad with a you know a, a largely nonverbal uh, son just i didn't know what to do right I, I was i was seeking answers i was seeking to learn i was you know i was grieving on some level i know that sounds probably bad because i don't think i would use that term today uh but i was just trying to make sense of things mm-hmm. and um uh, and I had a chance to kind of marry the personal and professional. Our, our team was uh, was headed towards the playoffs that year in Trenton, and you know, a, a little bit down the stretches, as, as you get towards Labor Day, that's that's not necessarily the strongest couple of days in, in, in Trenton. So I wanted to do something that was really going to kind of um, build up attention and get people talking about the team. And I came up with this idea as I was perusing some some records for the team. I said. I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if I could run more times around the bases than anyone, you know, like our, our best player in team history ever had. Uh, and I, I can't tell you, who I can't, I can't tell you off the top of my head who that was. There's been so many great guys that have come from Trim, trip. Right. Uh, and, and, but then I started to think, well, maybe I could join the 500 home run club in one day. What does that look like? Uh, and then I just kind of started kicking this around and there was a, uh, there was a, an intern and then his name was Matt, and, and Matt uh, just kind of egged me on. He's like, "You got to do that. You got to, you got to do that. You got to, you got to try that." <laughs> like, all right, sounds good. So I went into our uh, GM's office, Brad Taylor, who's, who's now running the El Paso Chihuahuas, and I presented him with an idea. Say, hey, like, I think this could generate some attention. I think it could be a great fundraiser. Um, you don't worry about like the health and wellness stuff. I'll I'll worry about that. But uh, yeah, all I wanted is to make sure that the organization be supportive of it. And uh, and the organization was. Uh, and, and so we set aside a day, and I started at 7 o'clock in the morning, and it took something like seven hours to do the whole entire thing. Because uh, I'm not – I mean, I think going into that day, the most I'd ever run consecutively was 12 miles. Okay. Uh, and, and and that was in the training for it. So, like, I'm not a runner. It's right? so like the, the most I had run sort of of my own volition before that summer was probably about, like, four miles. Okay. Uh, so – so it took it took a lot to get ready for it. Probably the the most uh, I don't know I don't want to say frustrating that's not the right word but um, uh, the the most difficult part of it was was training for it in season because right. we would we'd finish up a game and you know, it'd be ten o'clock at night you'd shut things down uh, as happens in minor league baseball sometimes you know a few folks might grab a beer after the game and, you know and decompress and sure. you know and so uh, and. What was I doing? I was strapping on my running shoes and going to go do ten miles around the uh, around the warning track.
1: Ooh, that sounds uh, like the last thing you want to do after a game.
0: <laughs> that is the last thing you want to do after a game. Uh, but it was what I had to do. You know, I had this, I had this deadline, and I had committed to it, and I had to fulfill my commitment. Um, and but it was also, again, it was it was in some ways therapeutic. Sure. Uh, and, you know, you had a chance to kind of just be. You know, you were with your thoughts, and not necessarily in a bad way. Uh, so uh, so I, I think it was good now the, the, the day of um, yeah it, it it took a little bit out of me not so much what I was doing it honestly to running around it seemed like every time I started to get a little bit tired, somebody knew would stop by you know somebody like a season ticket holder would stop by to say hi or my dad would want to do a, a lap. I should also note. The reason it takes you seven hours to do that length of time is because sometimes people want to take laps with you, okay. Uh, and, and 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 sometimes that means that you have to, you know, walk two or three laps with them and, and do that type of thing, okay. So so, people, so, so a variety of people uh, accompany me around the basis. I definitely could have done it in less than seven hours if uh, if it was just me and myself, but but it was nice to kind of you know, have have folks who, you know have a conversation with my dad a couple times around the bases, uh, you know, and, 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 and do that. So at the end of the day, we raised, uh, over 11, almost $12,000 for autism. Wow. Um, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was in the New York times. We had you know donors from a variety of places. And I guess if I have a, a regret, it's that it happened sort of just before social media fundraising became a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so I think I think if we'd have done the same thing now. We might have raised four or five times that amount. Uh, wow! I think I think it, I mean it, it. was covered by the Philadelphia TV stations, and it, it's like Trent Thunder is not carried by you know by uh, Channel Six out of Philadelphia. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, so so for them to come and you know, give it that type of attention, I, I think was uh, you know, was was great. But I think if we were to do it today, oh, yeah. we, we made a really really big donation to it. Unfortunately, I don't think my back
1: or knees can handle that today. <laughs> I, I completely understand with that, but that <laughs> that is amazing. I'm just thinking like 500 times. Man, that would that would take me f- forever. I mean, I, I grew up as a, as a soccer player. Um, now, granted, that was easily. I haven't played soccer in easily a decade. So, um, but man, that is that is amazing. And it's fantastic. that You raise that kind of awareness, and and that. That amount of money, um, that's awesome. Um, I don't want to bring down the conversation, but I did want to discuss, um, and I thought about this after I sent you the outline, I did want to discuss how the team and the community and the Tigers um, reacted and um, what they did after Chase Numada passed away. I, I knew Chase because he uh, played for the Williamsport Crosscutters when I was an intern. So we were relatively the same age, um, and I hung out with him outside of the ballpark. And, um, you know, of course, that was terrible tragedy that happened to him. Um, so can you just kind of go into what the team and the community and um, the Detroit Tigers and how everybody, I don't know, came, came together to after that tragedy
0: yeah i mean i'd, I'd be happy to discuss that um, yeah you know it's the it was the end of the 2019 season and um you yeah, know things things weren't great so we had uh we had been in first place uh we went into a little bit of a, a tailspin at the end of the season and and, uh, unfortunately we were kind of on the outside looking in on the playoffs and, and a a, uh, a very, uh, much improved Richmond team had come to town featuring their you know, top draft pick Joey Bart. And oh, yeah. we really needed we really needed to win a couple of those games and, uh, we did, we, we, <laughs> we lost them all. Uh, and, and so we wrapped up our, our last home game. We were getting ready to the next day to go to Akron. And we knew we had to go to Akron and, and, Win out and then have some help, uh, and um, but you know we do what you do after you have your last home game of the season, and you're probably not going to have a playoff game, which is you know, you, you, you get, get everybody together, you have you might have a drink or two, you tell some stories, uh, and you just sort of you know celebrate and send off that season. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not not the way we wanted to send off that season. We very Shame. much wanted to be in the playoffs, but. You know, but uh, at the same time, you know, there was a lot of hard work and energy that went into that. So, uh, so uh, I had gotten over the ballpark, uh, I don't know, it was probably close to 2 a.m. Uh, by the time we had shut everything down and, and, uh, and did everything. And so um, before I could even get into to bed, I had uh, uh, a phone uh, call from a reporter was wondering if I had any information on an accident that had involved a uh, Sea player, reportedly. And wow. the answer is no, no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, so I tried to gather whatever information I could get, but it, it just there wasn't a lot of it at that time. And so, yeah, uh, uh, you know, so I ended up I ended up going to bed, waking up early the next morning, and I had a, a little bit more information at that particular time, and I had learned that Chase uh, Numata are. Our catcher uh, had uh, had been in an accident. He had been in a, a skateboarding accident, uh, just just really outside of where he lived in, in Erie. I mean, if, if you knew Chase, saw him during the summer, I mean, he was he was on that skateboard everywhere. Yeah, uh, I mean, that, that's how that's how he got to and from the ballpark.
1: That's how he was in Williamsport too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, you know, so so um, you know, I I you know quickly kind of got everybody together and, and you know and you know got the information the folks that were on 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 hand that that morning and said you know make sure everybody understood look if we don't we don't have the information right now we're still learning information so uh don't don't be the source of any information that gets outside of here because the last thing we want to do is share anything and be wrong right uh, and so so uh you know, those first couple days were tough. Uh, Chase is, uh, is from Hawaii, mm-hmm. uh, and his family his family is all in Hawaii. And, and so um, yeah, he was unfortunately uh, uh, inconscio- unconscious and, and, and never regained consciousness. Uh, but uh, you know, we were very, very hopeful for about the first 48 hours and, and certainly hoping that we could get his family there uh, as soon as possible, mm-hmm. regardless of it, yeah, between the sea wolves, uh, the uh, the Detroit Tigers. We tried to do everything we could to make it as easy on the family while they were there. We had a couple of sponsors who, who uh, helped feed feed uh, Chase's family while they were in town. That was very generous of them. Yeah. Um, and so we just tried to do what we could do. And unfortunately, um, we knew the night before the last game of the season that it probably wasn't going to go the right way, the mm-hmm. way we'd hoped. Uh, yeah, but that very small group of people had that information, but there was still a test that had to happen, and the following day the test happened and and proved that um, that unfortunately um, he, he had um, had he, he was brain dead at that point. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so so um, Chase's family, wonderful people. Uh, just I mean, you know, I, I, if there's a silver lining that comes out of this, is I feel like I have friends for life. Uh, as a result of this that I, I, I probably only would have seen once or twice during Chase's tenure with us. Uh, but um, but his, his family, they're just such wonderful people. And, um, you know, after they made a very, very difficult decision, um, uh, they ended up deciding that they wanted to go to the team's last game in Akron, which is about two hours away. And, and we ended up going, um, myself, uh, our team doctor, our team chaplain, in order to be able to kind of share this information with the team after the game, yeah, and um, and you know, it was it was it was crazy. The team ended up winning um, three out of the four games in Akron, and al- almost as if you know, like they were doing it for Chase, and and we ended up finished tied for the league division, and unfortunately, we lost the tiebreaker, mm. uh, and so. Um, yeah you know, so that was very that was very tough it was the, the toughest sure. thing I, I think I probably had to do professionally was to walk into a locker room with you know thirty players and coaches and be a part of the folks that had to share that that this horrible tragic thing had happened
1: yeah yeah i can I can uh, so. only imagine um you know clearly we like to keep things positive on the Pulling Tar Podcast, but considering we both have a connection with Chase Numata, I wanted to discuss that. And um, people that are in the industry, you know, sometimes that stuff comes along and they're going to have to learn how to deal with that. I did want to tell a funny story about Chase Numata, though. Um, he was just the most fun-loving guy you could ever imagine. And I remember we had... It was. there is in the middle of a game, and it started pouring down rain. And so, me being an intern, I was well. Everybody in minor league baseball is on the tarp crew, but of course, I was on the tarp crew. And um, we just got done pulling the tarp, and um fans were still sticking around because it was a close game. And I, th- I want to say it was late in the game as well. And it was just a passing shower, so we were going to resume at some point. And um, Chase says to me, he said, he says, well, what do you want us to do, like, while tarp's on the field? And I said, I don't, what do you mean? And he said, do you want us to have a dance competition? And I said, I mean, if you want to. And he said, he said, he said you got your radio on you? I said, yeah. And so he said, radio up to the press box and tell them to put, call me maybe on. And so... I I called up the press box and said Chase wants you guys to put on call me maybe, and he got out on the field and had a dance competition with one of the other with one of his team members and he killed it by the way, Um, great dancer. But that is one of the you know if if there was a story to outline Chase Numata that is it. He was just the most fun loving guy out there. Um, yeah, no,
0: he's great, great, great guy. And, and like I said, dance, light up a clubhouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, just, um, you know, remarkable. I mean, I, 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 I can't remember if, uh, who had said it originally, but I, I think it had been said that if um, if you polled all the other players on the team who their favorite teammate was, you know, the 24 other guys would uni- universally say Chase Nomada. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, uh, and, and so um, – and I think that's true. And I think, um, and certainly, uh, he made an impact on the lives of a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, and myself included. I mean, you can't you can't see this, I don't think, but uh, even to this day, I've got a oh yeah uh, a, Ch- a Chase Nomada uh, wrist you
1: know, wristband,
0: wristbands wristband to kind of remind me to live like Numi every single day, and, and uh, yeah. I will wear this thing every day until it falls apart. Uh, sure, but, but I will say, I, I, uh, getting back to how, uh, I guess, how community came together, uh, his, his teammates, uh, I believe it was Logan Shore, I believe was one of the ones who kind of started a GoFundMe, uh, you know, raised, uh, I think it was north of, I want to say about $50,000 to help with the, uh, some of the expenses uh, of family and, and you know, help out different ways. The team um, the team uh, uh, contributed to that, but the team also uh started a scholarship under his name and the, so we've got the Chase Lamada scholarship and last year he gave out I believe it was eleven scholarships to high school baseball and softball players uh, who they, you know, look uh, they, they don't necessarily have to be the, the all county or the all state. They just they just need to live like new me. And, yeah and and have been a great teammate. And so um, yeah you know, that was very that was very rewarding to in the middle, basically in the middle or coming out of a pandemic, to give out scholarships to students who had just lost their senior season. Yeah. And to have to have so many of them say to us, um, "Thank you, thank you for doing this." I mean, it it, 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 it wasn't necessarily the amount of, of the the mm-hmm. uh, scholarship that was presented. Uh, it was you know they had been they, they had. Thought they were going to realize other scholarships. In some cases, some of those organizations had to pull back on their commitment because, because, right, <laughs> because they hadn't concerned money, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we were able to fulfill ours because of the great, you know, uh, you know, fan support, uh, sponsors, the, the folks who yeah, helped raise money through auctions. And um, it was very proud of, of, of that. And it's something that you know, we're going to be able to carry his legacy on for for a long time and uh, yeah you know he he, that guy means the world to me and then his family means the world to me and uh, i'm just i'm sorry that this is the way he had to impact the world but yeah he, he brought smiles to so many
1: oh yeah that's that's for sure um on that note we're gonna cut to a break and uh we'll wrap up this conversation with some with some uh lighter questions if you if you will um with greg coleman right after this break welcome back greg thank you so much for taking the time tonight uh what was it like working with former guest of the Pulling Tart podcast, Hunter Hornstein?
0: Hunter, uh, let's see. Should I say all the good things or should I say all the bad things?
1: It's up to you.
0: Well, is <laughs> no, no, no. um, a super talented guy. Uh, yeah, you know, Hunter is. Uh, he just you know, he's he's done so many great things. He's yeah you know, the work he does in terms of promotions. Social media, oh, yeah. the engagement he does—he's—he's he's really a thought leader in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is—he's a, a real student of that and a leader uh, you know, in our industry in, in that. So um, I can't say enough great things about Hunter. Uh, yeah, he, he gave our social media uh, uh, accounts their voice uh, and and really, you know, had fun with it. I mean, he he likes—he likes to, to say the brand, the brand, the brand. <laughs> and, and he'll uh, and you know, he'll talk about that, and the, but he lives it. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's he's always thinking about what can I do that's going to engage our fans. What are, what are we, what am I going to do that's going to put our brand out there in an interesting way? Get people talking about it. Yeah. And the fact is, you, you never you never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. And and Hunter's commitment to living the brand is it's really it's unmatched. Uh, and so. Uh, I mean, my my only regret is that he didn't get a chance to keep him longer.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, Hunter's a Southern California guy. Uh, you know, he he had an opportunity to to spend time down by the beach in Myrtle Beach. And yeah, he had, he had been there previously as a, as an intern, and you know, and they got a great staff in Myrtle Beach. Oh, yeah. So I mean, his his love of snow, or more likely his <laughs> his uh, uh, his lack of love. Snow. Yeah. Was well documented. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And so, and, and so, uh, you know, with honestly, when the job came open, uh, you know, I, I, I knew he was gone, yeah. Uh, and, and but you know, that's that's not a surprise. I mean, in this industry, we try to help people realize their their objectives, whether that's personal, whether that's professional, and uh, you know, with uh, with Hunter. Yeah, you know, he was going to have an opportunity to step into a a, a very a good opportunity with a very familiar team, uh, and and make a difference. And so uh, I think when we go to you know, annual conferences, whether it's the innovator Summit or the Baseball Winter Meetings, you know, in years when those things exist, sure, yeah, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I probably spend as much time with Hunter uh, as as anybody else, just catching up and and you know, just throwing ideas out there and. I think both of us realize that no idea is out of bounds. I mean, you might not you might not go there in the end, right? But uh, let let the creativity flow, and um, just just try to be the best version of you, whether that's you personally or your team that you can try to be.
1: Yeah, uh, that's one of the things that I struggle with. Um, so my background is social media marketing, graphic design. Um, video boards, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, ever, so I do social media for the local state farm agency that I work for. And I just don't have that kind of freedom with social media that I did in minor league baseball. Like you know, minor league baseball—it's a—it's a, a free for all, right? Like you can, you know—you have a great idea, or or you see another team—you know—have a great idea, and you kind of piggyback piggyback off of that and uh, make it your own. And you can do contests and all this stuff to get social media engagement. And with like the insurance industry. You can't do contests. You, you, State Farm can only allow you to post this and that, and it's just like I'm, I'm like in a box, and it's and it's a little frustrating. But um, yeah, that's what that's one of the many things I loved about working in minor league baseball is that social media and marketing was a free for all.
0: Hey, look, that's what's kept me at it all these years. I mean, it's 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 not the hours. I I don't think it's the pay. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but but, um, it's it's the sense of fulfillment. You know, we uh, talked about Bowling Green and uh, and what it was like to kind of take that from uh, you know basically nothing into something. And I think that's the truth truth with uh, promotions as well. I mean, the, the number of times I have been someplace random in the car, in the shower, waking up from a nap. And all of a sudden, I have an idea, and it's like, "That's a promotion, right?" The crap, that's a promotion. Uh, now, <laughs> now they just—they don't always get across the finish line because right. sometimes you know uh, something gets in the way. You just sometimes you just you can't find the hook. Uh, ideas sometimes can be more complicated. Than you'd like them to be, and they have to be simple to be effective. Yeah, and and if I can't simplify it down to you know a few words so that people get it, then then you can't put it out there into the world because they won't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so I think uh, uh, you know that's the beauty of it is you can have an idea. Maybe you bounce it off a couple of other people because you want to kind of you want to take their temperature and say, do you, do you see the same thing I see about mm-hmm. If they don't see it, it doesn't mean you're wrong. Uh, it just means that you now have more data to act on. Sure. Uh, and and so um, you know there have been times where I may have wanted to push things a little further. At the end of the day, who said, you know, what, that's just that's not that's not the right thing, right? Now. Right. And then there are other times where we went, you know, you know, uh, gas pedal to the floor and uh, and and blew it out. So yeah.
1: So that yeah, leads. I agree. Yeah, that leads me into my next question. What made you think of Alternative Facts Night in 2017?
0: You know, this. I I tell the story every once in a while and it is, it's not what you think it is. It's an unusual way we ended up at this promotion. I'll start by saying I love the promotion. I think it's a great
1: promotion. I do too. Uh,
0: It was, (laughs) (laughs) look, uh, I'll get into it a little bit, but I I think it's a great promotion. I think it's one of those ones that, you know, Um, Hunter's good at uh, social media. Mm -hmm. When you also give him uh, good content to work with, a good foundation, yeah, that was magical. Yeah, Uh, and so it it was—it's fun to see it all come together. But the concept it it originated from a very different place, and it was that a a, a national news crew came to Erie and they did a story, and it was—it was for like CBS like say an online version of a, of a national uh, outlet and they came in and they just they did a hatchet job on Erie. like I, I had lived here several years at that point uh, it was um, you yeah, know I, I think every community has its challenges you know that there's every place you go there's you know something that's not quite right that you'd like to be better you know in, oh, yeah. in an aspirational kind of way and and Erie, like a lot of other you know you know Rust Belt type of communities, you know, it, it lost manufacturing jobs. It had it had to mm-hmm. it, it had to do other things, uh, and and it has, and it has, and and what we're doing now is remarkable, and where it's going to be in another ten years is even more remarkable. But they came in and they did this job, and they talked to like the three negative Nancys in town, and and just I walked away from that. I'm, I just like I. Going into that, you'd heard the word "fake news" or the words "fake news" thrown about, mm-hmm. and and I just I didn't I didn't buy into it really. I kind of said, you know what, you know, most of these folks are, are, you know, they're trying to do the best job, and I believe that those people were trying to do the best job they could as well. Mm-hmm. They just got it so wrong <laughs> uh, that that I just I just felt like I had to yell loudly about it, and so i i, I came in I came in and I had this idea of, well, look, we're going to do a fake news night. And and just kinda as I was talking through a couple of ideas with one or two people, you know, it just it took on a different avenue. Okay. And it was it was, you know what? This thing is it's about storytelling and it's about saying that maybe you shouldn't really believe everything you see, that maybe everything is not quite what it is, and, and sometimes it's also about saying, "Look, we can tell our own story, right?" Right. And so, around that same time, you know, alternative facts had kind of gotten into the uh, the national uh, you know, vernacular, uh, tied to you know, Trump's uh, uh, President Trump's inauguration, mm-hmm. and uh, and it wasn't really meant to be a uh, like a hit job on the president. It was it was just really meant to be. Hey, look, we can we can. Yeah, if, 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 if his folks could say that was the largest inauguration crowd ever when you're sitting there looking at it and all of the data points tell you it's not <laughs> uh then what can we do with that uh and and so yeah so we created this promotion where you know we said where we were the uh the eastern leagues uh you know champion that we had had an undefeated 142 in season. And we created uh Big championship rings that we gave out to the first 1,000 fans. Then we created a bunch of promotions and just and I had fun with folks on both sides of the aisle. Uh, and um, you know, it was funny because it was it, in many ways it was like going to to uh, my greatest hits. Meaning that when when I was in Bowling Green, we won a promotion of the year award for a, a promotion called uh, called. Uh, uh, you know what could have been night.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yep.
0: where, and we so we had pioneered that promotion where we had played a night as a different team name, the runner up to our, our name the team contest, and it was just this exploration of of an alternate reality. And that's right. exactly what this was. It was it was a different name, it was a different label, it had some different elements, but it was still a you know, you know, um, you know let's 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 look at this through an alternate lens, right? Sure. Uh, and so, uh, so we had a, had a lot of fun with it. And just as we as we got into it, um, you know, it just it just had layers and layers and layers. And some of it was some of it was borderline controversial. Uh, sure. But you know, we were we were equal opportunity offenders. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I to I got to give uh, kudos. Uh, you know, Hunter and uh, our assistant GM of communications, great mm-hmm. game yet. They jointly wrote the best press release I think I have ever read in professional sports <laughs> history, and like you could hear President Trump's voice coming through the press release. <laughs> uh, That's great. There is it, just it was phenomenal. You can still probably find that online somewhere. But oh yeah, you you, you read it and you're like, this is just glorious. <laughs> this is this is. This is magnificent. And, uh, if there's an award for minor league baseball press release, writing this, this, this wins it hands down forever. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so, um, yeah, but it, it started in a very different spot. It, it started from a spot of, we want to stick up for our community and it actually pivoted into, well, eh, let's, uh, let's take some liberties ourselves.
1: Yeah. Hey, gotta have fun with it. Gotta have fun with it. Oh, uh, what was the uh, the runner-up for the team name for Bowling Green?
0: It was the Bowling Green cave shrimp, and the uh, the cave shrimp is a uh, microscopic, translucent. Uh, I think uh, I think it's translucent and albino somehow. Uh, a uh, uh, shrimp that is in the caves. There's um, Bowling Green is like. 40 minutes away from Mammoth Cave, which is like the largest underground cave system. Okay. Uh, and, and someone who's much better at, at, local, uh, uh, landmarks could, could tell you better. Sure. These, uh, details, but, uh, but it was something that was, uh, you
1: know, and, and there are a lot of caves, like,
0: you got know, houses in, in the Bowling Green area. Very few of them have basements. Okay. Uh, because of the, the, kind of these cave systems that are down
1: there. So, right.
0: Uh, so it is, uh, it's one of those things where, uh, People loved it or hated it. They were passionate about it, and that—that that is at the core of a great promotion. People can hate it, right? Yeah. People can absolutely hate it. We rolled <laughs> something in Erie, the cotton candy hot dog. People hated it. <laughs> the internet loved it because they hated it. Yes. Right? So um, and so so we're sitting in, in Bowling Green trying to uh, you know figure some things out, and I I just. I couldn't let go of the idea of doing something with cave shirt. it was too good yeah um, and, we had, and we had we had developed a logo for it um, with a uh, partnership with the with Brandiose. sure uh, they had they had developed because they had done some original sketches and we had asked them hey could, could you finish one of these off we want to play a joke on our uh, the local um, uh, here would I be mean, the county executive, but uh, he's the judge executive in Bowling Green. Uh, but uh, the top, basically the top elected official in the county. Yeah. Uh, and so, but he was so against the idea that we actually were, we had the logo developed as a practical joke to piss him off. <laughs> uh, and, and then they finished off the logo, and we're like, damn, this is too good to leave on the cutting room floor. Yeah. This is too good for just a practical joke. Uh, and so, how do we do it? How do we figure out a way to do it? Um, and um, you know, the idea was, yeah, I mean, like like the butterfly effect, right? You we know, have if butterfly flaps its wings, what else in the world would be different? We created a whole promotion around that concept mm-hmm. where if we had been named the Bowling Green shrimp what else in the world would be different? Right, and that's just you want know, to talk about just creative license to do whatever the hell you want to do. Um, that, that that was it. But great oh. great name. The logo was great, uh, and we, That's we awesome. were effective to be able to turn a practical joke into something that was an award winner.
1: That is awesome. Have you had the cotton candy hot dog? I'm assuming you have.
0: I have. I have. All of those parts in and of themselves are good. Yeah. Together as one cohesive unit. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> what is it? It's hot dog wrapped in cotton candy, and there's. N- there's nerds on it, isn't there?
0: Nerds on top. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, it's again, Ooh. the way promotions come about, uh, we had a promotion that we had, I don't know, 70, 80% of the ideas. Uh, and it was called sugar rush night. Ooh. And it okay. had kind of this, like this Willy Wonka theme to it where we'd have golden tickets, right? And you know, people would have a chance to win a prize based on the golden ticket. And, uh, and so it was, it was this fun idea, a celebration of sweets. And again, you talk about where these ideas come from. This idea came from an argument in our office. Uh, there <laughs> okay. were a couple people that were on different sides of an argument, and the sides were: the candy dots is a good candy, and the other side is dots are trash. And dots are both trash, sides of yeah. the argument, <laughs> both sides of the argument, would not.
1: But yeah, I, if
0: you go in and you look at kind of like our some of our social media feeds from time to time, you'll see one of our random past employees be like dots are still trash, right?
1: It's <laughs> uh, like, awesome. So
0: they're, they're so they're they're having this conversation, and it's it's a little animated, and you know, I pretty much just kind of like walk down the hallway, and I'm like, I'm like, like, do you guys feel this strongly about this? Somebody just come to me with a promotion because this is obviously one, right? So let's figure this out. All I know is that it needs to involve candy, and and that's let's it. Go <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so yeah, so we did it. But the, the cotton candy hot dog was like a throwaway. It was it basically. <laughs> I mean, some fans might actually think it is a throwaway, but uh, <laughs> but it was it was a throwaway where we had talked to our um, our, our head of concessions, the guy by the name of Tom Ando, and and. You know, the instructions to tell him were, you know, bring me three ideas that fit into the theme of Sugar Rush Night, you know, uh, and, you know, let's let's see what we do with it. And so he brought a couple of ideas. He brought more than three. But at the end of the day, we're kind of talking through these ideas. And the way we ended up with the Cotton Candy Hot Dog was um, I, I kind of looked around the table after he had presented it, and I said, does anybody have anything better? Like, is this the best we can do? I mean, if this is the best <laughs> we can do, this is what we're going to do. But, but, I know, I nobody said anything, right? You know? So it's like, all right, hot, candy hot dog, it is. Um, and so, so we rolled it out, and we rolled it out that day, sharing, hey, here are some of the things you're going to see at the ballpark tonight. And that was probably it's probably one of my biggest lessons running a team was that that stuff's got to get out way in advance because if anyone okay. has any legs. If any of it has any legs, it will help you promote your night. Okay. Uh, and if it doesn't have any legs, what's it what's it hurt, right? Right. Uh, and so but we rolled it out that day and within the hour we had blown up social media and and it ended up being not a great day for us because we had rain. Yeah. We had uh we had, it, was, it ended up being, you know, we just we had we were on the wrong end of weather and we ended up playing, but we, we had a weather delay and then and then we had, I think we we're supposed to play a double header, and we got the first like one of the games had to be postponed to the next day. Okay. So by the time we're doing all this like golden ticket stuff at the end of the night, it's like there's, you know, there's, there's hundreds of people left and, you know, folks who are willing to sit for a rain delay, you know? And so, um, but uh, so that night, I think we sold we sold single digits. Whatever it was that night itself, we sold single digits of the Cotton Candy Hotline. But by the time the internet had gotten it, uh, we sold a couple more the next day. And we'd already had the supplies for it, right? So right. We sold a couple more the next day. And within within like four days we're selling fifty or sixties a night. Okay. And it's like and it was like we didn't like so we made a commitment at that point to keep it on the menu through the end of the season. Even though we're saying we're like like this is this is it's probably hot, it's right? I mean,
1: <laughs> pretty inexpensive to make um, you know, I, I did one season as a director of food and beverage, which was a huge mistake, but that's neither here nor there, but, um, all of those things are relatively inexpensive, so I would think it'd be pretty cheap to make, and you could, you know, actually make some money selling that.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was great. It was great. Beyond I mean, the fact that, again, you know, I mean, it was, uh um... Um, you know, your, your taste buds would tell you whether or not it was great or not.
1: But, right. <laughs> you know, from our
0: standpoint, it was just so it was so unusual for us to be in that position where people found out about what we were marketing after the opportunity to buy it had passed. Okay. And and,
1: and that made them want it more.
0: That, yeah. That, that it was it was. It's just an unusual set of circumstances I hadn't encountered before. Sure, and so we just hmm. uh, we just made the decision that we were going to lean into it, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to offer it for the rest of the year. There is a uh, there is a funny, I guess, footnote to the story. Okay, and the footnote to the story is that you know we, we got some notoriety. We were in Jimmy Fallon's monologue. Uh, yeah, nice. We've we been on. Uh, you know, uh, i think. Uh, Else. There was just a lot of national coverage on this. And, um, you know, we're, we work closely with the uh, County Department of Health on a few different initiatives for, you know, vaccination and, and uh, you know, things like that, uh, you know, smoking cessation. Well, all of a sudden, Erie was the home of the Cotton Candy Hot Dog, which is, you know, uh, you know sugar on sugar on <laughs> processed meat, right? <laughs> Uh, and so um, they weren't they weren't happy <laughs> they, they, weren't, they weren't happy with uh, uh, the notoriety we had gotten uh, um. you know, citing things like uh, childhood obesity and things like that and, and, uh, But the funny part is and of course you, your food and beverage background I'm sure I'm sure you know this um, you know when you talk about the calories that are in that hot dog, first off there are not a lot of calories in a hot dog. Yeah. Now we've taken away the thing that has like the most calories, which is the bread. Right. We've replaced it with air.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That melts in your mouth, literally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's not going (laughs) to spike your uh, your sugar level.
1: Yeah. People with diabetes shouldn't get it.
0: Yeah. You're right. Right. (laughs) Right. But if you're telling me that somehow or another that like calorically we we are uh, you know we are hurting you know beating people making. Beast with the cotton candy hot dog. I would tell you that every single hamburger we sold at the ballpark that year had more calories than the cotton candy hot dog.
1: True. Um,
0: So, um, but we worked through our differences and (laughs) we got on the other side of it. And uh, uh, and so uh, we have uh, we have retired the cotton candy hot dog to the 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 secret menu.
1: Oh, okay.
0: uh, It's 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 like when you go to uh, In and Out Burger. Yes. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's. it's there we can get it for you but you know you you're gonna have to wait a little bit inside. yeah you gotta, you gotta be on the inside
1: yeah know? okay um,
0: so uh but no but again some of the best ideas just are like you know that we didn't think that had any legs to it we just that's we, so we, funny you know we just wanted to do something fun and then the rest of the world told us wow that's why you guys shouldn't have done that
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> but they did it in mass which is fantastic
1: right <laughs> so, that is so funny wow um, so, what are your thoughts about the future of professional baseball in Erie? I read the letter that you wrote to your fans, supporters, and sponsors on your Twitter account. Um, you know, clearly, I've worked in some markets that could be seeing some changes um, here with with professional baseball in their communities, such as Williamsport, um, Beloit. Um, I think Delmarva is pretty, pretty safe as of right now, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to know your thoughts about the future of professional baseball in, in Erie.
0: Well, look, I can come at this from a couple different angles. Um, but, uh, I think I'll just, you know, I think I'll just share how I feel now and how I felt at the time. Right. Um, you know, when, when the news came out, um, I felt betrayed. Um, I felt betrayed. I feel like I, I you know, I, um. I Take this very personally, being mm-hmm. an ambassador for the game of baseball, uh, for you know, leading that charge in Erie, Pennsylvania. And we had gone through a period of time where we had made great strides. We had, uh, we had, you know, we we're very fortunate to have, a you know, had our team been purchased by a, a, an owner, Fernando Aguirre. Uh, Fernando's, um, uh, you know, Mexican American, uh, who you know, rose up through the ranks, just this great. Great story, the American Dream. Uh, he gets to fulfill that by buying a, a baseball team, yeah. And uh, and you know, all of a sudden the, the rug gets pulled out from under him with, with that announcement. And you know, for for me, uh, you know, I, I've spent you know twenty plus years promoting baseball in communities around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think we've done a lot to grow the game, uh, even in some of those communities. I mean, Bowling Green is not a big community, Erie, respectively, compared to. Some of the AAA markets and major league markets is not a big community, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but we've made a difference. We've grown baseball fans, yeah. and to effectively have someone tell you um, through a New York Times article that you know what you don't matter to us. Now I realize that they've clarified their position a little bit and, and, and offered for to, to keep baseball in communities true different, uh, you know, different products,
1: whether that be college with bads or, you know, mm-hmm. what it might be. But it was,
0: at first, it was, it was off-putting. It was very, very sure. off-putting. And I thought of all those folks who, you know, would uh, come out to the ballpark and, you know, bring their their son, their daughter, their grandson, their granddaughter, their father, their grandfather uh, to, to have a memory at the ballpark. And all of a sudden, all of that for our community was in danger um and if that doesn't piss you off then you don't probably deserve to run a team
1: um i'm with you yeah
0: yeah so i i took it i took it very personally um and was very public about my feelings on the subject and um and you know since since then um I've tried to be as constructive as I can be because you learn, you learn as time goes on you learn, okay, look, you know, we can write a thousand letters to you know, to New York you know, a thousand letters is probably not going to change the plan but what can we do that might change the outcome and um, so, you know, we had a couple of conversations with the Detroit Tigers and, and had come to learn that the, the Tigers were every bit as much surprised as we were yeah. about that uh, Erie was a, a very unique situation. You know, we, we have been uh, really since Fernando bought the team on a track to really uh, improve some things. We we've, you know we we've uh, from a, from a business standpoint, uh, made great strides. Uh, we you know we've had all time highs in sponsorships the last couple of years. You. Uh, you know, uh, got the rights to and sold the the, uh, you know, the name of the stadium to uh, UPMC Healthcare mm-hmm. uh, you know, partner. Um, and did all these great things one Easterly promotional team of the year Uh, we just we we had this kind of string of success and then all of a sudden it was like well you know what you guys you're just not you know you're just you're just not in our plans Um, and so um, but we had already started the project of renovating UPMC Park Mm -hmm. we had gotten a uh, 12 million dollar grant from the state we also had some uh, some um, you know, from team contributions, our landlord had uh, had chipped had in as well, and, and so we had a project that was literally we had holes in the ground already on on improving sure. the facility, adding adding some amenities that we didn't have before. And I think I think it's important to say when Erie started, we were a short season New York Penn market and had great success mm-hmm. to the point where when when major league baseball expanded, Erie and Altoona were given expansion. Teams, sure. Uh, at the double A level, and so you know our ballpark though was built to short season specs. We added a few things over the years, but it was built for short season ball. And in some ways, Erie was uh, a victim of its own success. <laughs> you know, yeah. And so, um, so we had to go back and add some things in, and we were just right at the point where we were going to be adding those amenities that. Look in a Double A ballpark. You expect to have an indoor gathering space where you can have more than twenty people. Sure, you expect you expect to have an indoor team store. You expect to have hot water in the restrooms. You expect to have certain things mm-hmm. uh, that are that that match up with Double A baseball. Right. And we had we had done all the legwork legwork that started in twenty fifteen. Actually, really even before twenty fifteen, uh, and had just put the holes in the ground, and then someone said, "Yeah, we don't need you." Wow, uh, yeah. and and so um, um, and again, I'm, I'm over simplifying it, but that's that's how it felt, and um, and so you know the Tigers were surprised. Um, you know they had learned uh, kind of what their situation was, and they were in favor of what we were doing. They were supportive of us. Right. Um, we, we worked together to try to understand you know, what was going to be required. Recently, some articles have come out in terms of facility standards that have been proposed. Uh, and yeah, you know, those those are relatively new in terms of being released into the public, but but I think we got our hands on those as as early as January, uh, so we had a chance to compare. And they weren't final in January, but they gave us a good framework to understand. And, and with the tiger support, uh, we've been able to you know look at those one or two areas where where maybe our current renovation didn't address those, and, and go back and make adjustments to address those. So uh, when this is all said and done. You know, we, we do expect that we're going to be the double A affiliate of the Detroit Tigers. Okay. Uh, obviously, until Major League Baseball makes an announcement, uh, nobody is guaranteed anything. Right. But, um, but, but the, the Tigers have been very supportive. They've been very vocal with their support. Um, our, our local and state officials have been very vocal with their support. And, um, you know, I, I think we have a lot of reason to be uh, excited and happy about what's coming. Uh, I think we're like everybody else playing a waiting game right now. Until you have a schedule that has your name on it and you know what league you're playing right and there's not a lot you can do um, in order to prepare for next season and that's mm-hmm. tough right oh, that's, yeah. that's really a tough situation to be in even if you are you know even if you're the Indianapolis Indians or the the Sacramento River Cats or you know the Charlotte Knights you know these are large markets you know big, big facilities Sure. Yeah, they are just like us. They're stuck. They can't do anything. Yep. Uh, and and that's that can be tough. So um, we feel very good about where we're headed. Uh, I will say none of it be, would be possible without um, without the support of the Detroit Tigers. Mm-hmm. It would be possible without support from state officials. Our, our, our attorney general Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania has been helpful. Uh, Governor Wolf's office has been very helpful. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and our owner has worked doggedly to try to make sure that we come out the other side of this in great shape. And, um, I, you know, i so thankful and proud of each of those individuals for their contributions because they, they in the same vision, which is that, um, Erie, Erie is, is a great community and they deserve this.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm hoping for the best for, for all the communities that are going to be impacted, and, uh, and especially Erie uh, as well. Um, yeah, best, best of luck on um, the road road ahead with that. Um, I know it's going to be challenging, but um, yeah, best of luck for sure. Um, so Greg, where can the listeners find you on social media?
0: Well, I'm most active on Twitter. You'll find me uh, at the hashtag GM. Uh, and uh, I've got the same one on uh, LinkedIn, although I'm a little a little less active on there. Uh, I am very active on Facebook and Instagram, but it's usually through the teams, uh, the team accounts. Okay. Uh, so so if you just check out, you know, the and it's different. It's Sea fans uh, on uh, uh, on Facebook and uh, on on Instagram. It's I think it's Erie underscore Seawold, so, Okay. But if you if you you know check us out there, uh, you can you can reach me through, any of them because I'm. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a marketer, that, yeah. that's, you know, that's how I came up through the chain, uh, sales and marketing, yep. and so um, social media is where a lot of those sales and marketing opportunities reside, and so you know, somebody wants to know if they can you know, buy, buy a hat or an outfield sign, or if they want to have a question about what the future of the team is, uh, I want to make sure that we give them the best answer we can, and I've got great people who can handle 85% of those things, but the remaining 15%, I want to make sure they get
1: the right answer right away. Sure, absolutely. So, you you listened to Hunter's episode. I don't know if you listened to any other episodes. Um, I end the same, I, I end every episode with the same question. What's the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard during your time in minor league baseball, and whose
0: was it? So the best, yeah, you know, uh, I, I think it's tough, right? I think <laughs> I think there's so many over the years, yeah. and, and half the time, mostly because I'm getting older, I don't even know what the hell the name of the song is. <laughs> I, I know that when we had um, uh, Eugenio Suarez, so, you know, the Reds uh, star, he had a song that um, I, I don't know the name of it, but I know that every single time it came on, everybody in the in the press box. Would beat their hands on the counter to the to the beat of it. It okay. just kind of a, a Latin beat to it. I it was like, you know, I was like, all right, all right. So everybody's into that. But one that just always it comes to mind for me. It just comes to mind for a different reason. Is um, we had a player that played for us for a couple of years, uh, Jason Cruzan, and uh, Jason ended up winning the Eastern League home run derby. Um, it's kind of a roundabout story. So so okay. he had a song that he had. Uh, it was Hollow and Oates, You make my dreams come true. Okay, and it's this poppy, catchy '80s tune. Which, it, it, I, I don't know if I'd say it was the best song, but it was so distinct and unique that you knew it was him. Right? Okay, and, and that's brand that's Brandy, right? Yeah, oh, oh yeah. He, he owns that song in my mind. <laughs> um, yep. And and so and when you have you know you have these guys that are all generally in the same age group and listening to. Country or uh, R and B or Latin music or hip hop, whatever it might be, and then you would have some of the out an early '80s Hall and Oates song. It's like I'm going to remember that, right? <laughs> so, um, so, guess, hey, the, uh, the the postscript to the uh, uh, Jason Cruzan story is that uh, you know, the Eastern League All Star Game had been hosted in Akron, and uh, Jason Cruzan convinced. Uh, our manager, to allow him to participate in the home run derby, even though he's not a home run hitter. Okay. He not, was not a home run hitter. But, apparently had pretty good pop during batting practice, so he's a utility infielder. Okay. Uh, uh, sorry, utility outfielder. Sorry, I was just kind of a... Kind yeah. of but, no, you're uh, good. But, 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 but basically a guy that bounced, bounced around the field a little bit. Uh, and a, uh, a, in any case, he, he, plays in this, um, uh, he plays in this game um, and, uh, but he goes to play in the home run derby, and the way things work, the home run derby is that the GMs of the teams put like twenty bucks in a hat for each guy you have in the derby, and then whoever wins the derby ends up ends up getting. Oh, money,
1: right? okay.
0: Uh, so a little side a little side bet, right? All I mean,
1: right, so, I like it.
0: So so I so you know like, you know Jason Jason never had more than a couple home runs in a given year, so I like, go over like here's my twenty dollar donation. And he gets up there, and he just rares back round after round. And He's going against guys that are like big league home run hitters. Yeah, um, and just and he and he wins the whole damn thing. Wow! <laughs> like, like like Jason Krasan, you made my dreams come true. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, uh, wow!
0: So 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 uh, that's yeah that's my my story. That
1: is incredible. And, uh, so wow!
0: Um, yeah. It's, so, but uh, yeah, he, uh, he some something else. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he's playing after these days. But but uh, he was
1: with us, and he's with Banton for a little bit. Okay, all right, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Greg, for taking the time out of your evening tonight um, to hop on the Pulling Tart podcast and uh, tell some fun stories. Um, I just really appreciate it, and uh, again, thank you so much.
0: happy to do it. It's always great to catch up, especially these times where you don't get a chance to watch a lot of baseball. You can at least tell some baseball stories.
1: Exactly, exactly. Again, thank you so much, Greg. I really appreciate it, and hopefully we can do this again sometime.
0: Sounds good. Listen to the Polling Tar Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.